Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fascinating episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 12, and we are discussing U2.11AC Wave 2. Very exciting. Uh, we have Mark Denny on as our expert, and Sam and Stu will be giving uh, questions, as well other people who feel like jumping in. Okay, Mark, why don't you start off? Who are you and what do you do? Right on. Thank you very much for the time. So Mark Denny, I'm a product manager here at Cisco Systems in the uh, on-prem uh, wireless team, um, and I'm responsible for the 3000 series access points, so 35, 36, 37, as well as a few different modules we have. And uh, together with one of my cohorts here, Alan Hutari, we uh, were extremely involved in various wave, uh, wave two, wave one, 11 AC discussions. Uh, especially this year, heating up with Wave 2. Very cool. Alan, why don't you give a quick intro? Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> okay, so I'm in the same team as Mark, um, but I do a lot of technology management, work especially with our CT office for IEEE to 11 initiatives, and do a lot of work in Wi-Fi Alliance, uh, especially like things like Hotspot 2.0 and some of the emerging certification programs that we can't really talk about today but because uh, they're still confidential to Wi-Fi, but... Uh, most of my work is done with uh, emerging technologies. Awesome, yes. And remember, if we divulge confidential secrets, I might get fired, so let's not. Um, and I will start coughing loudly if I think that's happening. So, um, Sam, since you are on audio, why don't you tell us who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so my name is Sam Clements. Uh, I'm a CCA wireless and a CWNE and uh, generally passionate about all things wireless, uh, Including the uh, obviously the Cisco uh, on-prem and uh, and off-prem wireless portfolio. So obviously interested in uh, in in talking and more uh, uh, more about Wave Two than obviously anything else right now. Sounds fantastic. Um, and we also have Stu joining, but he's um, experiencing the joy of talk shoe. So until he joins and he can give a proper intro of himself. Um, Mark, do you want to give us a high level? What is uh, 11AC Wave 2? What's exciting? Why are we talking about it today? Go. Yeah, great. Um, so, so you know, 11AC has been a hot topic in general for the last couple of years. Um, you know, the whole evolution thing. Um, certainly, dot 11 is is especially as it pertains to wireless uh, specifically, is always an interesting environment given it keeps reinventing itself and and pushing the ball upward in the curve of speed and other functionality, but uh, so it's a mature market that is still uh, nascent and very early uh, in a lot of ways and shapes. Uh, so it's 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 very interesting. So 11AC with Wave One has been shipping today. So Phase One or the first instantiation of the of the IEEE standard that was ratified towards the end of 2013. Um, very hot commodity. Um, you know, different different take rates for different parts of the markets and different geographies depending on multiple uh, variables, which we'll certainly probably touch on today a little bit why, you know, why are people going and why do they need to or why do they want to. 
Um, we, you know, we're in the area of two million uh, units at this point of 11AC Wave One product in the market space. Just to give you an example of you know where how hot it's been, and now and this let's year, remember to only keep on to publicly av- uh, available info, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. fine, and we're actually going to be you know spitting out a blog on that after. So, so that's. Um, you know everything. Everything this day is blogged. If I when I woke up late, I had to blog about it. So, um, and, and you know, and it's um, so. So the the point being, there's a lot, of, tons of interest in people going mobile and driving the the need for more capability, uh, of which uh, bandwidth and, and speed and performance, maybe to put it a better way, is, is one way. So wave two, uh, second phase, second instantiation, superset of wave one, building upon uh, the momentum I just talked about. Um, you know, our expectation is that this year you're going to see product both on the client side and the infrastructure side come to market. Uh, it's all kind of shaking out right now from all the different vendors, so nobody's really tipped their hand yet. But, but definitely our expectation is that 2015, calendar 2015 is you're going to start seeing Wave 2 functionality, and it's uh, and and it probably the the one aspect that really jumps out for a lot of people is the notion of uh, something called multi-user MIMO or Moo MIMO. Um, the ability of a of an AP, an access point to be able to communicate with multiple down, devices on the downstream concurrently, uh, which is a change from the way .11 wireless has, has uh, occurred to date. Uh, everything shipping today and, and historically has been one device communicated to at a time, and so that's interesting to a lot, of, definitely exciting to a lot of people, including ourselves. All the vendors are, are quite hyped about it. Chipset vendors building the chips that we're going to build product with. Uh, and certainly, customers are very interested uh, in in what it can do for them, and, and awesome. I think you know we're looking at that as well. So. Okay, one quick question before we get crazy: um, Did we ever call it Phase Two and then start calling it Wave Two? No, no, we've thrown in the Phase because sometimes people look at me bug-eyed when I'm talking or cross-eyed when I say Wave. So okay. we try to just give people a, a couple different points of uh, to digest what we're trying to say. I thought maybe people got confused with like talking about phase and frequency and wavelengths and all that delightful oh, no, stuff. No, yeah, no, that's a, and that's maybe a that's why point, we went to waves. Yeah, step, you know, another another one, but it, wave is something that just stuck. So. Awesome. Yeah. Sam, you want to go? Do you have a question? Yeah, well, so uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if now if now we should start talking or not. Um, so you said uh, so you said one of the big improvements is this MU MIMO multi-user MIMO. I think you were talking about traditionally we talk one AP to one client at a time, and it's a it's a shared medium today, right? So um, I think the, the the big excitement around MU MIMO um, being able to hopefully talk to multiple clients at one time. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? And in particular. Like, are we just going to see, like, are we just going to hang new APs and then everything's going to be, you know, we're going to have this new switch in the air, right? Is that, uh, that's what, uh, that's what we've got some marketing folks sort of touting it as. Um, yeah. is, is it just going to start working automatically for our existing clients? What's, what's, what's going on there? Yeah, great. No, great. A couple of, you know, multiple points in there. So, um, so we do expect, um, from a footprint perspective to be very similar to what we've been looking at with, uh, with 11AC Wave 1 and then even the high end. Uh, 11N, you know, when those products were the mainstream. So as far as coverage models, um, and then the switch, yeah, we're definitely, you know, we're we're definitely trending away from that terminology ourselves because it's still a sh- you're still sharing the spectrum, and now you're sharing it to multiple clients uh, concurrently downstream. Um, so it's it's 
going to be quite exciting. Um, and then, so it's very specific. The other, the other aspect to your question there, the Wave 2 functionality is required on both ends, meaning the clients themselves have to be able to support um, support Wave uh, Wave 2 functionality, um, and then the access points themselves delivering Wave 2 functionality. So our expectation is that, um, if not all, not speaking for all vendors, but our expectation is for a product to, to really call itself a Wave 2 product, one of the features that we would see would be multi-user MIMO, including the client side of things. So whether it's a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop, together with the access point would need to be able to. So today's Wave 1 products would still communicate or be at, or be treated uh, with 11N and 11A and so forth in a single-user context. So, so you're talking about um, you're talking about being able to talk to multiple clients at once. Assuming you've got Wave Two access points and Wave Two clients, what what does that do to the spectrum? I mean, it's obviously if we're on channel today, the the theory is that if you've got a radio on on one channel, that's uh, you know channel uh, fifty two or whatever, and you've got another client on channel fifty two. How how does that work? How are you how are you sharing channels in order to be able to talk to two clients at once? Yeah, so um, starting at the, uh, let's just, you know, look at the, from a chipset perspective, so the initial foundation and expectation of, of I'd say, let's talk about higher-end products is going to be that we're going to have support for in a vicinity of three concurrent devices with uh, topping out at, let's say, three spatial streams of multi-user MIMO functionality. So, so using that as a basis and then being able to support three concurrent devices um, we're going to make use, we're going to share the same spectrum. So depending on what channel width you've got, uh, the, the, the channel width of the, of the uh, access point that you're utilizing. So let's say a 40 or an 80 megahertz or potentially wider, up to 160. But So whatever it might be, you've got that amount of spectrum that you're going to be uh, sharing across these X number of downstream devices, up to, up to likely up to a total of three at a time. And then... If I've got, for example, if I'm supporting three spatial streams in the product and I can support three concurrent devices, uh, if I had three smartphones, let's say as an example, that have Wave 2 chipsets integrated and they all happen to be a one spatial stream client, I would be able to talk to those three concurrently from the access point because they total up. One of the elements would be the number of concurrent devices cannot exceed the number of, of, of spatial streams that I support on the access point. So if I support three spatial streams with multi-user MIMO, I can talk to three one spatial stream downstream devices. I can talk to one, one client with one spatial stream, another client with two spatial streams to get at the same time. They total up to three spatial streams. And I do this on the channel and I'm communicating down to those, to those clients um, at the same time. Now, within the access points, if you think to the, to some extent, if you look at um, the functionality we've got today in our in our products for implicit beamforming, the client link functionality, on the downlink from the access point, where we'll independently, we independently identify and understand where certain clients are in the network, and we actually shape the signal down to that. Uh, device and then deliver the data to those clients uh, very specifically to where we understand those clients to be, that uh, it's, it's very similar in, in context with multi-user MIMO. We are going to shape a communications to client one, like, likewise a shape of client to client two, 
uh, and then client three, and at the same time, so they're independent signals coming out of the same antenna structure, the trans, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the transceiver chain, the number of, of transmits and receive antenna chain I've got. Let's say again, let's assume our current model, the 4x4-3 applied as well with wave two, you could then, you know, we're able to communicate out those same four to all three clients by uh, having individual signals, per one per client. And at the same time, we're going to be performing nulling so that we are actually pulling back on, if I'm sending the client one, I'm ensuring that client two and client three signal are not going to impact client one. And likewise, I do that for client two and client three. So there's quite a bit of extensive functionality going on from the access point on the downlink to the, to the clients. Um, and that's all kind of happening at once. Uh, again, likely up to a maximum of three concurrent devices. Um, so that's that's a bit of a, a dump on on how that we see that happening. So you do you know the switch-like behavior is uh, something that I think is easy for people to certainly digest. We've certainly used that terminology. It's still a shared medium, so you're still sharing that same amount of of uh, spectrum that you've defined between the AP and, or configured between the access point and the client. So. So, so in a nutshell, it's the same spectrum, but it's all about spatial streams at that point. It's, it's uh, you're using multiple spatial streams instead of a, like a wider channel or anything along those lines. Now, you you did say something earlier on that uh, you were talking about channel width, you know, 20, 40, 80, or, or 160, right? Which is uh, um, you know number of lanes on a freeway, if you will, right? Um, and so today in the enterprise. I think we see even in our Wave 1 deployments today, we are having challenges deploying wider channels because of the limited amount of spectrum. I, I, I think that you're, or I guess, what do you think is going to be the byproduct of being able to support 160 megahertz channels, which are these really, really, really wide lanes, which are going to, I think, just cause a whole bunch of channel contention? Yeah, I mean that is um, again another really good good topic. Um, so so let's start with where we really see things to to what you're thinking, and we'd obviously love to hear what everybody's thoughts are as well. But definitely, um, I think a number of customers in the, are in the twenty to forty twenty to forty discussion. Uh, they're in forty with the, either not maybe not pervasively, but in a in a chunk of their network. We definitely have, I'd say, I'd use the term handful in a very, to mean small percentage of customers who have toyed, are toying with 80 in very specific environments, depending on the type of density and maybe the square foot coverage of, of the area. Um, so that's definitely what's going on today. 160 we see as kind of a, an infrastructure uh, bet. You know, so again, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out across the industry. We know there's going to be a variation on, based on chipsets in the market space today that are going to come with Wave Two, on the on the the, the amount of channel, uh, how wide the channel they will support. But we do see the you know, I guess it's a it's a betting on the future, hedging on the future. So it's more about having the infrastructure to grow into. Um, I think the other part that comes along with the 160 discussion would be the amount of available, you know, lanes that could actually be leveraged uh, today versus tomorrow, uh, meaning what's available today from the FCC, what's available today from ITSE, and where is that going with all the different efforts that both of those regulatory organizations um, are, are putting forward today. We know that the FCC has got a whole 
plan around 190 megahertz wide width of channels Ooh. that they're opening up in, in multiple drops. <laughs> oh, so one amusing or one question I'm seeing is about client proximity uh, to one another. Will that have any sort of negative effect on the nulling process? So I'll t I'll take that one because I was about to do it in the chat. Um, definitely, <laughs> it's true that definitely it's true that the closer the clients are, the more difficult it is to discriminate doing the beam forming to them. But we've actually seen demos of like um, prototype Mumino um, systems where they've actually stacked clients on top of each other, and everything works perfectly fine. Now, it's going to be different too that your your mileage will will vary depending on what implementation you see because this is a lot of math and not everyone's going to do Mumino equally well. But definitely, there's an expectation that the clients are reasonably spaced far enough apart from each other. So I have a question. You guys were both talking about, you know, increased uh, increased channel requirements, and it sounds like there's a lot of planning and stuff that's going on that it probably isn't going to manifest itself in sort of day one deployments. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of future proofing, and it sounds like we're going to see a whole lot of um, potential for uh, widgets to be flipped that, that that maybe shouldn't be flipped, all under the guises of of um, what giving us more speed. I think is the uh, is is what we're ultimately after. Uh, which of course begs the question: Once you once you have all of that speed, let's say even in a perfect world, uh, we've got clients that are connecting in in excess of, you know, how many megabits per second. What's that do to our uplinks, right? Because we we are all familiar with oversubscription of of switch links uh, from distribution to access layer and all that. But you know, at some point we're going to hit the boundary of what one link to an AP can support. Yep, yep, absolutely. So I think that. Um what was I going to say? I think the uh, couple things. Just on the um, upfront part, I, I do think that um, some of it is about growing into the functionality, and then while others are, you know, the other aspect like multi-user is really the one that I think a lot of the, the eyes are trained on. You know, how, you know, what's the implementation look like? Like likely to be fairly common from a from a foundation hardware chipset perspective, but how is it implemented and how is it really utilized is going to be the the big we believe the big differentiator where it's going to going to come down to rf experience and knowledge base so so you know how how efficiently can we utilize that uh, shifting between let's call them groups of multiple users that we're talking to at a time to share that that bandwidth irrespective of the width so then and then determining how how much boost do I get beyond just having more clients on the network concurrently? How much performance boost do I get based on that? Now, um, the the uplink discussion definitely uh, is an interesting one because it, it to some extent is going to obviously be based on on how the network is deployed, i.e. In, in the sense of the, the width of the channels themselves, the type of client base you've got, um, what's your expectation? Three spatial streams, uh, a mix of one, two, and three, so on and so forth. So, so I think that certainly, you know, the easiest thing for us to point to would be that's one of the reasons that we we worked very closely with our switching counterparts here at Cisco to found um, to, to to create and found the um, the NBase T alliance. Oh, and well, the gigs that came along. Right. Well, that, and the M gig is a is a productization of the M base T alliance. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. The, um, and the M base T alliance is all about having the opportunity to grow, uh, driven by where we see the 11AC wave two 
being able to go. Uh, and then, and how so, it's productized. So, so again, I'll, I'll apologize for the long, long answers, but yeah. we definitely want to, we want to we want to give people as much information there or well, our, our perspective anyway. Before, right? Yeah, the data sheet part. But aside from data sheet, just you know, this there the way we view it is there's a number of intersecting parts of this conversation that that come together. You know, there's there's the wave two functionality, and then it's how it's brought to market and those types of things. Okay, awesome. And I see uh, Stu has joined. Stu, do you want to give a quick intro since we missed you at the top of the hour? Yeah, <clears throat> thanks, Lauren. I was just fighting with technology. Uh, so it, uh, that's what happens when you live in Canada. Um, so uh, my name is uh, Stuart Gooman, um, um, wireless consultant, uh, mobility consultant up here in uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Canada. And I do pretty much what Sam does, but Sam does it better. Um, and oh, I, hey, I come on, from, Sam. Yeah, That's I, 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 I learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, but yeah, no, um, I work on a lot of Cisco gear and uh, and a few other uh, uh, a couple other brands. But um, but uh, riding, uh, riding the uh, the AC bandwagon uh, for the last little while now, and I've uh, been really excited about it. Um, but I guess first off, um, I have one of those big questions: is I get asked all the time. Um, with Wave 1 and even Wave 2 now is, wow, we're going to have Wave 2 coming uh, pretty soon. What's going to happen to all our other clients? Are they going to be able to connect? Do we have to go buy new equipment? Um, right. Are all our clients going to like not connect one day? Like They're afraid. So Yeah, you know, it's funny because I had somebody ask me that the other day and it caught, completely caught me off guard. Um, you know, it's just one of those vacuum things that we don't think about. So, so the, the great part is because, as I was touching on a little bit indirectly up front, that Wave Two is a is is a superset of Wave One. It, it's derived from the same ratified IEEE standard for 802.11ac, which means, which we don't often talk about, but now we're actually doing it more. That it's fully it's a five gig gigahertz focused technology. So it, it's and it's backward compatible to 11a, 11n, and Wave One. So. Um, a wave two implementation of a five gig radio, uh, five gigahertz radio will will support all clients. Uh, should you know is capable of supporting all clients. Again, depending on the implementation, I guess would be the uh, you know I, I couldn't imagine anybody not supporting uh, all the different clients, but uh, it, it certainly could based on the technology. Well, and speaking of uh, backwards compatibility from a features perspective, Chris in the chat window asks if uh, Cisco's clean air technology will be fully compatible. With the new wave of APs. Sorry, I, I apologize. Well, Sam, uh, got yeah, the, answer, the answer is yes. Clean air is independent of 11AC. Yes. Of independent. The, question, okay. the question mark was if clean air would be compatible with the new APs. Yeah. <clears throat> Excellent. And and. I was going to I was just going to reiterate uh Ryan's question which is um about backwards compatibility as well which is obviously very topical. Are we going to have the ability to disable backwards compatibility similar to how we disable it to B rates in 2.4 gigahertz today or I, I would add more to that question is it going to be as important to disable those uh backwards compatibility uh functions um like we would do in 2.4 gigahertz today? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, we, certainly we um, we have that discussion mostly in the context of two four versus five. Um, 
but um, haven't really thought about it a lot in the context of five gigahertz and maybe the A's versus uh, you know disabling A, those types of things. Alan, what do you what do you think? Yeah, you you could definitely configure using like the you know uh, uh, basic rates to turn off certain rates and then implicitly not allow certain connections. It's definitely possible. In other words, you can always configure the APs to do rates that you know the legacy stuff can't do, right? So that's one way of, of, of preventing legacy stuff from connecting. Was there was there kind of more to that thought or question? No, I, Ryan just asked you quite literally, are we going to have the ability to disable backwards compatibility? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that answers it. Yeah. I mean, I would envision that uh, again. It's you know, some of these are very product specific in the sense of implementation specific, but um, that there wouldn't you know, I, I wouldn't imagine if if a product's doing it today that it wouldn't go, it wouldn't carry forward. Uh, one thing that uh, has been um, uh, a big thing on our minds is um, is modules. Um, when you talk about um, uh, now that these are. Uh, you know, we don't want to talk too platform specific, but uh, you know, with uh, with AC, we've got uh, Wave Two now uh, coming, and how does that um, how does that play now with um, with you know our existing equipment, and um, you know, we're going to have a Wave Two module coming. Um, are we going to have like you know, what's the user experience? Are are we going to be a little bit better or? Or is it do do we wait for the next iteration or something like that? I'm I kind of maybe be uh, on the borderline of technology here, road um, roadmaps, but um, just looking towards the you know the wave two modules. Um, what do we see coming? Yeah, yeah. Some of, obviously some of that we you know we can't really. Uh, so I, all I can say is that I actually wanted to understand maybe when you say better, but but we can touch on that in a sec. The first part I'd say look you know we 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 made a public statement um, when we launched the wave one module back in gosh what 2012 i want to say that um you know we would we would bring a wave 2 module to market and uh we're still that's still the plan of record um i i can say that you know we're still obviously looking at different factors from a you know what's the timing of it look like all that type of stuff but that's still um that's still our intent we have a you know a lot of customers that have expressed a, a great deal of interest in uh, the ability, at least having the option to do such, do so, go that go that path, um, and maybe maybe you could expand on your question of better. Your your you, meant, you mentioned. Well, I, I think it's uh, you know like a lot of customers out there are um, you know have upgraded uh, to you know uh, the 3700 series and are just loving it, right? They're loving the performance. Um, they're gearing up to enable those um, those higher data rates. Right, uh, because the majority of their uh, clients are Mac, uh, MacBooks, right, and so they can already kind of you know take a hold of those rates. So they're you know they're getting excited, like, well, wow, okay, well we've made this significant investment, right? It's like, oh wow, okay, so what's going to happen when Wave Two comes along, right? Do we, does it, you know, that that's really what the the question is coming, you know, yeah. from my realm, right? And okay, yeah, just, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, again, like you were saying, you know, kind of on the border of stuff. So as much as, you know, we, the first part of it is as much as I can go into from, you know, what we do. But, I mean, obviously, you know, that was the intent of the modular architecture was to provide mm -hmm. some flexibility 
uh, whether it's wave, whether it's security functionality with the WSM or or 11AC uh, or you know the the announced uh, 8718 that the small cell team announced at Barcelona Mobile World Congress a couple of weeks back or a month a month back now. So um, you know that's certainly the intent to give people the choice to be able to. manage their network or deploy the network as they see fit based on their client base, based on their business model, based on where they're going, drivers of that of that type. And, and maybe one kind of an, uh, an additional question there from a, from a, vent, a manufacturer standpoint. Are you guys seeing um, uh, device manufacturers um, like the Apples of the world and, and whatnot coming, you know, to you and saying, you know, um, we want to come out with the next iteration, like Wave 2. We want to do that. You know, Is there a lot of kind of, you know, some people ask others, is there a lot of uh, conversations that happen between the device manufacturers and uh, of client devices and yourself? There's a lot of discussion. It's not always, uh, It's a lot of it is <laughs> poker. Oh, okay. <laughs> Back and forth. Um, yeah. some, some are more uh, chatty than others. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's tough to really get into much more than that because um you know a lot of that's also strictly NDA type of stuff where No, yeah, I wasn't asking for specifics. It was just more of just to kind of see, you know, um how what's the user take rate right now on AC, right? It's uh I mean, we're seeing it here up in Canada. We're seeing, you know, people love their devices, right? The new device comes out, they're lining up at the store, right? And they're like, "Okay, well we want to get those rates." And they come to the office and I'm like, "Well, you don't have AC. What's going on?" Um yeah. can you just hang on? We're doing the <laughs> I love those users. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, so, for don't you, we yeah. All. <laughs> I can I I'll I'll answer the question kinda of indirectly. You have to remember that, you know, Wi Fi Alliance is in the business of inoperability and would not and could not and would not launch an inoperability program if there wasn't an ecosystem of both clients and infrastructure. Right. So I think you can be kind of be assured that there will be clients because Inevitably, you know, gravity doesn't take over. There will be a certification program for this. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I was exactly. I was going to say that, you know, just looking at things historically, uh, if you, even if you said that it looked at it from a technological advancement and differentiation, you know, the uh, they're consuming the smartphones and tablets are, and laptops are consuming the chipset vendors' products for connectivity. Connectivity is shifting rapidly to mobility with the option of going wired via you know variety of different something to Ethernet uh, connectors. Um, based on that, there's a constant evolution as they build the next version of the product to bring in the next level of the chipset and evolve what they can talk about on their product set, so on and so forth. So it kind of uh, it's self-creating market in, in in a lot of ways. That now it does vary, I think, depending on the type of you know, different types of uh, protocols, uh, meaning, you know, uh, traditional .11 in the sense of uh, N, now AC, versus other types of things like uh, AD or something else. You know, I think those, you can make an argument, or even like, um, you know, uh, licensed spectrum versus unlicensed. Uh, some of those become, start to get into the area of what's the market opportunity for the cost point of my product i.e. a smartphone, and how much real estate and power and, and so on and so forth, heat dissipation can I actually afford in that product before, um, you know, the payback is worth it type thing or, or that type of thing. So there's a, a lot of these types of things come in. Um, but I, I think just circling right back to my first part of my comment that the vendors are, are typically 
very, very close to the chest. And um, they, um, you know, we find some, in some cases we're finding out about stuff indirectly just by guessing and then when, they come, when they're close to market as a consumer of the product itself. Where mm-hmm. if I get a beta for the my MacBook Air type of thing or something like that, and I can read on the blogs that they've inserted X Y Z into the software, that, that type of thing. Right. But it must have been a, I mean a, a really hard job for you guys in the past, like you know five years. And I know um, Sam, you've seen this too, is that it's like we have gone from like these low data rates, and then we've exploded like to pass surpass the you know you know when you look at line rates of our switches. Like where our, our huge focus is now, like mobility, it's bigger than ever in the last, you know, only in the last couple of years, it's it's exploded. Yeah, absolutely, far 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 more than you know wired clients. I think the the inflection point of more wireless than wired has happened some time ago already, and I think that that, that people are just demanding more, bigger, better, faster, uh, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. and Ryan, of course, yeah, asks. Right. Uh, how are all of the Wave 2 changes going to impact the tools we use to deploy and troubleshoot wireless networks? Which is a great, great mm-hmm. question. That is a really good one. I say, I mean, well, we've seen guys like um, uh, MetaGeek um, have come out with uh, looking at different ways of capturing data um, along with AirMagnet, right? They have to develop certain new tools to, to read um uh, the megahertz from 80 to, you know, to 160. So they're, I mean, on that side, we've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that um, there's definitely no straight answer to that question. Um, like, um, what I mean to say is that, you know, we'll be working with, we've got a fairly good relationship with MetaGeek, um, and we'll definitely be talking to them. And then the question becomes, how much can we, um, you know, they, they've got a, 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 a business to operate as well. So we, we're trying to make sure that we're all on the same page when it comes to value value proposition of the customer uh, market space. Uh, Ekahau folks talking with them often, and then so on and so forth. Different tool vendors where where it makes sense for us to get uh, involved with is certainly uh, we understand that it's a you know an essential part of the food chain. And then when it comes to our our products. You know, we're definitely uh, increasing the focus, I would say, continuously and trying to anyway that around making sure the tools, the you know, the various command structures, the debug tools, the uh, the management layers uh, keep keep evolving and, and getting better and providing more intelligent information that that can be digested by customers, whether it's uh, planning tools. Um, Inputting, uh, reading in tool, you know, data from uh, the Echo House and so forth, the Fluke devices where they're doing uh, site surveys and so forth, and, and then all that type of stuff. Well, and I think the trend over the past several uh, sort of technology adoptions, you know, the move from B to G, the tools were available fairly readily, and then G to N, they, there was a little bit more of a lag, and then N to AC. It seems like we're we're still playing catch up from a tools perspective on on what we can and can't do. Um, and you know, it's living AC technology has been out now for at least a little while. I guess that we're all sort of hopeful that um, that that ongoing trend of the lag of coming to market with tools isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be too cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, the one interesting trend that we kind of see different with Wave Two versus Wave One was that, given that the spec is ratified, the standard is all set. Wave One, um, some of the dynamics, what we expect to happen with clients coming to market with, and product coming to market. 
uh, in conjunction with working within the various um, you know, uh, industry alliance uh, organizations to be a little bit different. Um, product will be coming, you know, certainly aggressive to market. Whereas in wave one, you know, they were trying to get certification programs fired up and get the standard closed and done and everybody in agreement, chips, chips built. So I think some of that noise being done now, I, to your statement, Sam, I would hope also that, yeah, the, the tool vendors that we also engage with will see the opportunity and, and see as a natural migration to their uh, evolution of their products. Yeah, absolutely. Can you uh, can you share or do you have any insight into pulling the conversation back to infrastructure requirements? Obviously, there was the the MGIG conversation a little bit ago. Do you do you have any any uh, finger on the pulse as far as power requirements of what we expect these things to look like without getting product specific? Are we? Uh, I know for it seems like every iteration we seem to be looking at more and more power from our switches. Is that a trend do you think is going to continue? Well, I think it's it's likely. Um... To, to continue on that that trend um, a little bit. So I'm, what I mean, I, a little bit. That's, uh, how's, that for, how's that for definitive? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, uh, a little, you know, it, it doesn't matter what language you use. It's it's not definitive at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the um, so I, I do think that we're we're the yeah. What am I trying to get to? I think it again without getting into some stuff, but, but I, I do expect that trend to continue a little bit given that, uh, people gear, you know, we're gearing up for the, the kind of potential horsepower and throughput. Um, and then I think the other element would be depending on where it is in a go to market product, product family, it may vary slightly, meaning, you know, the entry level versus the high end type of, uh, where you've got different scale points and potentially different uh, different connection mechanisms or or uh, different configuration uh, methods uh, or radio functionality, if you will, that um, you may you know it's going to fluctuate between being able to handle um, is it going to need full on 3AT or is it going to be able to hand, you know move between 3AT and 3AF? I, I think 3AF is rapidly becoming an ex a big challenge for a lot of products. Sure, sure, sure. Even even those pesky phones. Yeah, yeah, pesky phones. Hey, so so Mark, uh, I just wanted to to, uh, to ask you is you know um, for for those guys just getting you know back into wireless again, maybe they've left it for a little while and come back. You know, would you what would you say to those guys? You say that's probably the one of the best times to get back into it and start learning the technology or. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and certainly this is a, also a defer to Alan, who's got years and years in this uh, this part of the industry. But uh, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot going on, and it's extremely overwhelming for sure. At the same time, the excitement is is one man's excitement is one man's over being overwhelmed, and uh, you know, it can be the same and and all all the above in in the same day. So I, I definitely see it. Um, you see it as a great opportunity for people uh, at, at a variety of different levels. I mean, if we, you know, I think the things that jump out immediately are people are shifting the way they do business, uh, way their business operates, meaning, you know, the all wireless office, if you will, right? People are much more mobile. Uh, the way that they come to work and they work at work is, is rapidly changing. So, and that means that customers and a lot of, a lot of customers are looking for guidance and help when it comes to, you know, what does it mean to me? You know, here's what I want to do. Here's what I think I want to do. How, you know, what's how do I deploy it? What's my density? What are my guidelines? What, what's my area of coverage? What does that even mean? You know, that type of thing. So, so I, there's tons of opportunity, and, and I think um, 
tons of excitement, and, and uh, the amount of mobile, mobile devices is increasing rapidly, you know, continuing to increase on that part that are wireless connected. In short, get yeah, wireless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't do anything in short, man. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think is depending I... on where you are, you could come into the market in, in a variety of different places is what I was really trying to say. And so, a, a lot a lot of new stuff on the horizon, sorry. I'm seeing um an interesting question in the chat. So what are some of the apps in your toolboxes beyond I guess uh Ikahu, I don't know how to say that, apologies, and or Wireshark or anything else. And I think this is for all the speakers. Yes, so this is Sam. So we, we use uh um I personally have Echo, Omnipeak, um Obviously, the MetaGeek product suite. Um, obviously, a bunch of the Air Magnet stuff. There's <clears throat> just about everything out there's got a got a time and a place for when you're doing something in the in the market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, there's even uh, some of the other uh, smaller tools that you'd use on your clients, uh, like the uh, Wi-Fi Explorer. Um, there's some other um, interesting capture tools that you can grab now. Um, those also help out. Mark, Mark, what tools Allen, do you, you use on a regular day, on a regular basis? <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I use uh, I, I I definitely do use uh, uh, use Echo. That's the uh, that's the Finnish company. But uh, but uh, Wi-Fi Explorer is uh, is a very um, very easy to use quickly. If I need to get something quick, I need to see what's going on, just from perspective of channels, and to see what's going on around me uh, on my device. Yeah, I'll definitely use that as a tool on my MacBook Pro. Um, and and I highly recommend a MacBook Pro only because it is a not a bad AC client, right? It's um, it connects nicely. I can see what I want to see. Um, but that's just kind of maybe a one-sided view. But cool. Um, are there other questions not that haven't been uh, discussed in either the chat or our host? Do you guys have further questions? I'll, I'll answer that one about disabling the MCS rates. Um, the, the standard certainly defines what characteristics and behaviors you have to do. The standard does not dictate to you how a product vendor can uh, implement the product. So you are allowed to actually disable MCS rates should you choose, even though they're supported in the product. Nice. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we have another question on the chat. Um, how important is the route switch infrastructure when designing a wireless solution? Uh, not not very important at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, the old saying is, you know, your wireless infrastructure is only as good as the, as a, as the wireless backing you up, right? So we do have to give those wired guys some credit. Right. Those, those. Yeah. Until we're, until we're in a fully mesh society, right? <laughs> Wireless power. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. think that uh, the one word that they would give you would be M gig, right? Um, For sure. Faster. I mean, you know, you know, tongue in cheek, but but really, um, certainly, uh, power is is obviously uh, Sam. To your point, touched on earlier that uh, becoming has been for a while, but is continues to to be a a very um, Important part of that discussion: What kind of power supplies do you have feeding? What's the capacity and capability of the act of the switch infrastructure? 
uh, are we talking chassis versus uh, stackable? And then within the stack, you know, what's your typical deployment uh, density for APs to the number of ports, so on and so forth? And then, um, you know, what's the uh, what are you projecting forward as it pertains to your uh, to your de wireless deployment? And then I, I go right back to that channel, the width of the channel, the type of clients in the install base, um, so on and so forth. You know, flowing up into the network. What's your uplink traffic look like? Those types of things. So you're saying a comprehensive uh, approach to your network performance needs and clients' capabilities is important? Man, you're good. <laughs> uh, yes, that is what I'm saying. It's the, uh, <laughs> as much as I would just love to be tunneled on the uh, AP, um, you know, that, that first layer hop is huge. And then the uh, the other part of the discussion that we're, we're certainly having more and more would be, um, you know, what is it? What's the what's my controller architecture look like? You know, when it comes to throughput and what's the uplinks feeding it? Uh, you know, given that it's typically in the back end at the distribution layer, maybe the core layer, that type of stuff. Cool. Um, I think on that note, unless I hear someone scream out that they've got further questions, um, we can wrap up for today. All right, and I just gave us five quick seconds of awkward silence to test that. <laughs> and oh yes, I like the awkward silence rule. Um, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for being on another delightful episode of Cisco Champions Radio, and I will see you all next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.